Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, I'm excited, as usual. I have a very special guest uh, with me today, uh, someone who is an expert uh, on, a, on a host of topics, um, and a leader in her own right um, on on stereotyping and prejudice, and uh, has done research in other areas, uh, including non-conscious bias and nonverbal behaviors and intergroup dynamics and interactions, and is a, a psychologist. Um, we're very happy to have with us today uh, 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 Tara Van Bommel. Uh, Tara, pleasure to have you here, and thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Brian, and thank you for that uh, lovely introduction. It's, it's great to be here and talking with you today about the really powerful work we've been doing on empathy in the workplace. Well, thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I, as I have with so many different people who have come on the show, uh, I read a lot of your work um, prior to the invitation, and I was really struck by this area of your work and there's so much that you've you've done and so thank you for the research that you you're involved in um i know that you're engaged right now with a a group called catalyst um so tell us a little bit about yourself first and then about catalyst and the work that you're doing with catalyst yeah absolutely so you know a little bit about myself you did a really um, great job of summarizing, you know, I've got a pretty diverse background and, you know, my training is as social psychologist and I've got a PhD in that area. And in that work, I really focused, as you mentioned, on stereotyping and prejudice and more specifically the role of automaticity and non-conscious bias within stereotyping and prejudice and, and how that plays out in interracial interactions and including the role of nonverbal behaviors. And after my academic training, you know, I really wanted to get into applied work to really sort of drive that impact in the workplace. And that brought me to Catalyst, um, where I'm working now, where I'm doing this research on empathy. And Catalyst is a global nonprofit. And we work with some of the world's most powerful CEOs and leading companies to help build workplaces that specifically work for women. And so mm -hmm. Catalyst was founded in 1962, and we're really aimed on um, driving change with pioneering research and mm -hmm. proven solutions that are, you know, founded in the data to accelerate and advance women into leadership. And, you know, because we know that progress for women is progress everyone so you know our, our vision is really workplaces that work for women um, and and in particular at Catalyst you know my role is as a statistician and also director of research and I lead our women and the future of work research initiatives which are focused on the way that the workplace is being transformed by this phenomenon that we call 
the future of work, which is mm-hmm. really referring to um, what some people call the fourth industrial revolution, which we mm-hmm. are living through right now. And this mm-hmm. is really the way that AI and automation is changing, you know, not just the workplace, but the world around us. And this has really strong and drastic implications for, for women in particular, because as we expect to see a lot of positions automated going forward, Mm -hmm. women actually tend to be um, concentrated in those industries and roles that are most likely to be automated. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, in addition to that, there's several other trends that are really changing the workplace. And as we've seen with COVID-19, you know, it really accelerated a lot of these trends, such as remote working and flexibility. And so it's really critical for us at this juncture to to make sure that, you know, this is an opportunity for organizations to leverage this disruption, Mm -hmm. to rebuild Mm -hmm. workplaces, to be more inclusive for everyone. So with that work um, is really where the focus uh, for empathy came in. Well, you know, um, what you just said about the workplace changing really uh, resonated with me because um, just, and, I, and I'm sure for a number of people out there, I, I certainly, I can feel the kind of the stretch and the pain at times with this disruption that has occurred. Um, and I really, you know, I'm really impressed that you said 1962. Uh, I had no idea that the organization had been around um, for that long. And so um, uh, that is certainly commendable uh, that the focus of the work um, being on um, making workplaces uh, suitable, sustainable places for women to be successful. Um, I think that's an absolute wonderful uh, uh, vision uh, that you have. And so uh, getting into the work that I invited you on to talk about a little bit, um, that uh, what resonated with me about empathy was that um, probably about 10 years ago or more, um, I was engaged in a um, a uh, assessment, assessment that tells you a little bit about your areas of strength and then areas that you can improve on. And it's all based on, you know, responses. It's these responses you put in, then they hold up a mirror. And for me, one of the, the areas that it said, hey, you could work on this is, was um, to name a few, but one of them was empathy. And it's not the absence of empathy, but it was saying relative to other areas that you're strong in, this is one that is of lesser strength. Um, and, and so I started then um, reading about empathy, and I learned a lot. One of the main things that I learned about it uh, is something that you point out in one of the articles I read uh, uh, that you co-authored was that empathy is a skill that can be cultivated and developed. So I learned that by trying to learn more about, so what is this thing that they're talking about here? Um, Tell me a little bit more about how you, at least uh, you've, you've seen people cultivating and developing skills and empathy and ways in which you, you may be uh, engaged in the training. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And, and I love that, you know, you raised this, this notion of empathy as a skill because it's, it's such a critical 
part of our conceptualization with empathy and our, our vision with it. But that is, I would say, one piece that is um, one of the biggest areas where we need to change people's minds and help them understand that, in fact, empathy is not a trait. It's not innate. Um, mm-hmm. Some people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the belief is out there that perhaps, you know, women are better at empathy than men are, but there's been a lot of psychological research um, in the past few decades really documenting that it's a skill and it's, it is an essential human skill. And just like any other skill, it's, it's something we can build and get better at and strengthen as a muscle. And I think that that is sort of the critical first piece when it comes mm-hmm. to empathy is, is really recognizing like, okay, this, this is a skill and it's so important in the workplace, going to be even more important as, you know, the changes that are coming our way start to roll out. And, you know, first I think it's important, you know, for our listeners to kind of understand and break down, you know, what is empathy as a skill. And so for us, we define a catalyst empathy as the skill of connecting with others to identify and understand their thoughts, perspectives, and emotions and demonstrating that understanding with intention, care, Mm -hmm. and concern. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this, you know, is perhaps a a lengthy definition, but it's it's necessary because empathy is multifaceted. It has three components. There is cognitive empathy, there's emotional or affective empathy, and there's behavioral empathy. And so I think it's really important to, to see this nuance because also I think a common conception that we have around empathy, people tend to think of it purely along the lines of emotional empathy, you know, being mm-hmm. able to feel someone else's emotional state or feel similarly to what they're feeling. And, and that is very much a component of empathy, but there's also cognitive and behavioral. And, you know, it, when it comes to skill building too, it's important to, to know these individual sort of subcomponents because, you know, as, as you said, you know, you've got this feedback, so I work on building my empathy, well, maybe, maybe it's one of those pieces of empathy where, where you really need to upskill. You know, maybe it's, it's cognitive empathy about being able to understand and um, engage with other people's thoughts, emotions, and perspectives. And, you know, so critical for connecting across difference, which is mm-hmm. really important in our, our global workplace. And, um, you know, I think to get to the second part of your question, which is, you know, how do we go about training this skill? Um, First is just having people understand that it is a skill, as we've been talking about, and that it's super important in the workplace. And, and we have some really great resources at Catalyst to support this skill building. Um, so one of them is what we would call a knowledge birth, and this is like a micro-training. It's 10 minutes. It's interactive. It takes you through some workplace scenarios of empathy, and you get to learn what empathy is and what empathy isn't. And we also have a a deeper dive into empathy, which is a two-hour virtual instructor-led training um, that companies can invest in for their leaders. And I think what's really um, important and critical and similar across these trainings is the experiential part, like getting able to see empathy in action and, and having some practice doing that and, and for people to come to it with a place that, you know, this, is, this isn't a, like a box you check skill that you would continue to build and refine, I think, across your lifetime. And, um, 
you know, there's, it's great to see that there's um, a lot more focus, I would say, on empathy as just in general recently, especially, I think, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it's, um, it has such an important role in the workplace, as we find in our research. It drives important outcomes, and it's going to be even, I think, more important as, as we see these changes roll out with the future of work. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, we, we talk about empathy, and, and especially when people, uh, you pointed out that uh, there's this belief that it's innate and that people are born so you're empathetic or not. Um, and so that's part of what I learned is that, you know, as I said, it's a skill. But as a skill, that means that there's a continuum, right, that there yep. are um, there are some people who are at, let's say, novice stages of, of being able to display empathy, and then there are people who are at, for lack of better words, expert levels of displaying mm-hmm. empathy. Uh, what really struck me, and you mentioned that the, you had these dimensions of empathy that you named. You said uh, cognitive uh, area, and that's you know being able to see and understand. You said the emotional, so actually kind of sharing what someone else's emotional state is. But the one that I I had the question about was the last one that you pointed out, the behavioral dimension. So where, where you describe it as intentional, kind of the intentional display, yep. and from what I've read, that you you go further to say things like even – understanding and matching body language that I found that fascinating because I didn't think about that, but I would, I would love to hear you say more about that because in some ways I, I, I might see where someone might misinterpret that as disingenuous is that I am intentionally uh, mirroring your body language and to demonstrate that I'm concerned and I, I, I empathize. So I, I just would love to hear more about how that is uh, a way to, to, to demonstrate empathy. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, Brian, I think um, probably many people would agree with you that this sort of behavioral empathy, I think is, perhaps the, the lesser known of, mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. trio. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to just dig into it a little bit more with you. And, and so, you know, starting off again, just from a shared understanding, we think of behavioral empathy as, you know, these actions that communicate and demonstrate um, a sense of empathy. And so there's lots of different ways that you can do this. And I think behavioral empathy um, is especially important in the workplace, and in particular, when we're really looking at how um, leaders' empathy impacts employees. So, it, mm-hmm. and also, I would add to that in in the, the like the workplaces of the future, where many of us are working virtually, this behavioral empathy is, is even more important. And you know, from the most basic level, I would say behavioral empathy is is kind of what you do next when you experience cognitive empathy or emotional empathy. So those kind of like your entry point, like maybe I understand your perspective after listening and requesting it back to you, or 
maybe I feel the same emotion after you share a story with me. And, and that behavioral part would come next where I demonstrate to you that I am actually experiencing empathy in this interaction. And um, there are a variety of ways you can do that. Some of them include, you know, simply sort of saying those sort of words. So, for example, um, with cognitive empathy, really understanding people's thoughts, perspectives, emotions. And after a situation, say, where you shared your perspective with me, I might want to reflect back to you what I heard you say to ensure that, you know, I am, in fact, seeing your perspective and not seeing your perspective through my own lens. And I think that's a really important differentiation um, as it relates to perspective taking. And so perspective taking is, is very similar to cognitive empathy, but we, we want to be really careful to help people understand that when you do this, it's not about me imagining how I would feel in your shoes, but it's about me imagining what it's like to be you in your shoes. And, and this is important because if you do the former, if I imagine myself in your situation, then I'm, you know, putting my own experiences and my own lens on that. And it, it can sometimes be a barrier for experiencing true empathy. And, and so, you know, this behavioral part comes in and this example that I'm drawing out here is, you know, once someone's done sharing, reflecting back and being, you know, with words that could be something like, you know, I, I heard you say this, and mm-hmm. then saying the things, you know, summarizing mm-hmm. back, you know, mm-hmm. is that correct? And and for the, the person that you're speaking with, this demonstrates to them, one, that you, you have been listening, two, that you, you do care, and you've taken the time to ensure that you really are truly deeply understanding their intention and where they're coming from. Um, so, so that's one way you could demonstrate behavioral empathy. And, um, you know, I love that you brought up also the nonverbal component. And right. as you mentioned, at the start of the show, that is actually um, an area where I studied fairly deeply in some of my former roles. And so I, I have a particular affinity for, for nonverbal behaviors. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's so interesting about it, too, is you, you sort of raised this notion that um, – you know, would it would it be perceived as disingenuous if I was matching someone's um, you know body body language? And it's it's interesting because with the body language, like nonverbal behavior and the mimicry research, where mimicry is this idea that we automatically mirror each other in interactions. So a lot of research has shown that people tend to match each other when they're mm. interacting. Mm-hmm. However, this tends to occur most often when people sort of have a pre-existing rapport. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but the other important piece about that research is it happens automatically. People don't notice that they are doing it, and people often don't notice that the other person is matching them. And, and it, I guess let me, let me qualify that. So people don't notice on a on an explicit, like, conscious level that people are doing it, but their non-conscious brain picks up on it. And the end result is that people will come out of the interaction when there was this behavioral matching going on, and they'll just say that it went smoothly. They'll say that they liked the person. 
more than if someone didn't do that. So, so although we're not necessarily typically picking up on these cues, it funnels into our overall perception of, of the mm-hmm. quality of the interaction. And, and I think in particular when it comes to demonstrating behavioral empathy, you know, it's, it's about just being aware. Um, in particular, you know, what am I doing with my body right now yeah. that, you know, could communicate on what's coming or, or might in, inadvertently communicate the opposite. You know, that's the classic yes. example is like having your arms crossed. And people don't do that necessarily always because they're not interested, um, but the person on the other end doesn't necessarily know that. So it's just it's learning these nuances and how you can use them in conversation, you know, in person and virtually. I think these nonverbals are especially important because they're not sure. readily important. So it's, sure. you know, it's, it's, it's all of these things that I, I could go on on about um, different ways to do this. But, um, you know, I, I think that the, the takeaway is, is the behavioral empathy is really demonstrating the cognitive or emotional empathy that you feel in a given instance. Sure, sure. And, you know, this is really fascinating to me because I think a lot of people uh, get the cognitive and emotional. I'll speak for myself that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that I, I really, I, it, it really uh, was those, those two. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And then, but like I said, when I came to the behavioral and the intentional, like the words like intentional, and and then when I read more about nonverbals and behavioral mirroring is the way mm-hmm. you, you describe it, I yep. it, it started to drift a bit. And I, I so I have an example I want to give, and then I want to I also want to tell you uh, um, or, or ask you a few other questions because um, what when I when I mentioned the 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 fact that maybe it would come across as disingenuous is because yeah. what I what I hear and what I take away when I when I listen to you talk about demonstration is that mm-hmm. what you're saying in some ways is that um, especially when you talk about mirroring is that even if um, I'm not necessarily um, uh, under, well, I shouldn't say understanding, but if I'm not exactly feeling sad or, exa- you know, I'm, or to the, to the same level of sadness that this person is about an issue is that um, obviously I wouldn't jump up and down and, and laugh or anything, but that, but there should be ways in which my body communicates that this I'm what I'm receiving is not good information. It's not positive information, but it's sad information. Right. So it's, and and so my body language should indicate that. Let me, let me tell you an example. And it's probably why this was early in my career, um, why it was, uh, indicated that empathy was a um, a, a lesser strength. That's what we're going to call it. Not a weakness, okay. but a lesser uh-huh. <laughs> but a lesser strength. Um, and is that um, so? I used to teach a doctoral class in in law and uh, in education. And um, I remember at the end of this one particular term at another university, um, this. Um, this student had made an, made an appointment to see me student comes in and sits down in front of me. And I could tell 
that um, uh, she had been upset about something, yeah. didn't know what it was. And so I waited for her to gather herself and to tell me, you know, uh, what it was that she wanted. And she said, um, so I said, how can I help you? And she said, I just want to know what did I do so wrong in your class? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't understand. She said, you gave me an A minus in your class. I want to know what I did so wrong. Mm-hmm. And she was she was crying and like sobbing. And I said, yeah. so obviously before I did my work in empathy, I said, are you serious? And <laughs> and so and from there, she jumped up and ran out of the, the office. And I was sitting wow. there because I was actually confused. My mm-hmm. my sincere my sincere reaction was what I said was, are you serious? And, and, um, and so um, I go back to the whole question. So now, obviously, many years later, I am clear about um, what were some better ways to, to receive that information and respond. But um, I know there may be other people that are in similar situations where you you your authentic response is one of confusion so i i think the way i might um i might respond now might be something along the lines of say more about that please help me understand um how you're feeling or what have you but that's after a lot of work of understanding what some of those are and so what i what i guess is kind of what i said i wanted to tell a story but what i want to find out from you is how often do you find that people are putting in the time to learn how to do those kinds of things? So I, I actually had to practice, if you will, like, here's how you respond when you, when you're confused and someone is, you know, in this kind of situation, but how often are you finding in organizations and even among leaders that they Mm -hmm. understand the importance of practicing empathy? Yeah, well, that's such a great question, and I, I wish I had a really precise answer, but I, you know, there's a couple things that I, I think I want to comment on. Um, one, I, I think the number of people who are focusing on this intentionally, as you describe, is is growing, and mm-hmm. um, however, I, and, you know, as you highlighted at the beginning of your story, we are, you know, we're going up against sort of um, a paradigm that didn't really um, support and reward empathy. So I think for for many, many years, empathy maybe has been referred to as soft skill. And soft skills traditionally are not valued in in a business context. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the work we're really doing at Catalyst is to really help people understand and reframe that empathy. It's not a soft skill. It's it's certainly not easy, as you've described in your own experiences, and and it's it's an essential business skill. It's mm-hmm, essential for mm-hmm. connecting with your employees to understand their perspective. It's essential sure. to connect connect with your customers and understand their perspectives as well. So you know, I have the sense that you know leaders in particular are are paying a lot more attention to empathy as a skill and are starting to really see that it is this essential business skill and an essential interpersonal skill. Um, but, you know, I, I think with that, 
you know, quite a, a road ahead of us to, to really get everyone on board and, and mm-hmm. to make empathy essentially a, a core component of, of what mm-hmm. it means to be an inclusive workplace. That, mm-hmm. you know, empathy is something that we tie to performance reviews and that we have trainings on because we know it's essential. Um, yes. And and the other piece I think I would add, um, which is really important, I think, on any learning journey, especially empathy, is this component of it's okay to make mistakes and yes. just sort of have some humility around that, that, you know, you're not always going to get it right and, and that's right, part right. of the learning process. And so, you know, having grace for yourself and for others while we're on mm-hmm. this journey, and I think, you know, you might not always have empathy as your first automatic reaction, but when right. it's something you're striving for, you go back to it and you say, oh, well, actually, you know, maybe I, I wanted to say this. And, you know, if, if we have the opportunity, definitely follow up with people to, you know, say like, I, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, that wasn't really actually what I was trying to communicate. Here's what I intended. And, and to, I think, really approach it with that sort of growth mindset Right, it's really right. important because it's, it is. It's multifaceted. It's going to show up differently in different interactions, different situations, different people. Um, so I think that that is, is really critical to bring to, to this and not hold ourselves to that perfect standard right. because, that's, you know, we're human. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you, you talked about that from a growth mindset because in our program of training leaders, we, that's part of what we're talking about. Uh, some of these soft skills that actually go a long way in your success and leadership. And so one kind of the takeaway is that you, that these are things that you have to practice and work on intentionally. It's not either there or not. And even if there, if there are ways in which you, you have, you have been okay, you know, you, you've not made any terrible mistakes, but that you still, uh, from a growth mindset, is that there are there are ways in which you can get it be even better. Um, and the real implication here, and this is what I saw from your um, from your organization, where you you talk about empathy in the organization, where uh, employees feel better belonging to. Um, organizations that they feel are empathic and working with leaders that they feel are empathic leaders, uh, that that's, that's important. Um, you know, we, I know we're close to the end of our time, but I wanted to see if there was anything, any advice you might give to leaders about uh, some of the steps or at least kind of a starting place um, beyond self for building a culture uh, in their organization of empathy? What would, what, what's your advice? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the other important piece around empathy in the workplace is, you know, there is this individual component, which we've been talking quite a bit about, but, but there is the ways that organizations as entities can demonstrate empathy. And, you know, this is really all about policies and, and workplace culture. And so I think, um, you know, th- there has been other research that has shown that, you know, having good benefit packages, having flexible work arrangements, these are perceived by employees as organizational demonstrations of empathy. And so I think it's an individual skill in your interactions, but it's, it's also 
sort of baked into the workplace in, in the policies you have and in, in the way that employees are treated. So I think, you know, really taking, especially right now, a hard look at, you know, how can we offer our employees flexibility in when and where they work is, is a really big way that organizations can start to demonstrate their care concerning understandings for employees' unique and individual life circumstances. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, Tara, it has been such a pleasure. The time went by really, really fast. And, and so um, I I encourage those of you who may be interested in following some of Tara's work. uh, The organization is Catalyst uh, with a Y, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T dot org. Uh, Catalyst.org. Um, do you have any other uh, sites you'd like to share, uh, perhaps, uh, Twitter accounts, anything that people might be able to follow you? Yeah, I, I think Catalyst.org is a great place to start, and you can access there. Everyone can access the research reports that, that you've been referencing, and, and these reports um, have some really practical um, actions people can take to, to start learning how to grow their empathy skills. And, and beyond that, um, you know, I'd love to connect with anyone who's interested on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me under Tara Van Bommel. Excellent. Thank you so much. And again, I've learned a lot and I'm sure people listening in learned a lot too. We're going to stay tuned and also uh, keep our eye out on your future research. Um, you, it's some very fascinating work. Um, just keep up the good work, and um, until the next time we, we meet, go well, stay well, Tara. You too. Thanks so much for having me today. It was my pleasure.